As we begin, what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be looking at four different prayers that Paul prayed for the different churches that he had uh, started. And he felt a great obligation for uh, to these people. And uh, if you brought your Bibles with you, you can look in Ephesians, uh, the third chapter, and you'll see that the first two chapters are basically leading up to this third chapter as he's explaining what he's doing. He first of all addresses us and uh, and he talks about, he's talking to the Ephesians, who by the way, were living in an area where Christians were hated. And so he's addressing these people and let's, let's, let's understand where he is when he's writing this letter. He is in prison uh, in Rome. In fact, Sharon and I got to stand by the very building where he prayed the prayer that we're going to be looking at today, where he, this epistle or this letter was written. It just makes it more real when you know that it was right behind this wall that he said, for this reason, I bow my knees. Right behind that wall is where Paul prayed for those that he had brought to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, it's all leading up to this point to where he says at the beginning of chapter three, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of uh, of, uh, of you Gentiles. And then he goes on and he talks and he comes on down and he says that uh, uh, he's talking to him and he's, he's just saying, I have a great responsibility for you because the Lord used me to bring you into the kingdom of God. And I want you to be fully equipped to do the things that he has for you to do because you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. He has a plan for you before you ever came to be. He had an idea that was Avery, that was Kim, that was Becky. He knew who he created you to be before you ever showed up and who you will be throughout all eternity. Not, and the thing is, it's you that he loves and it's you that he died for. Not who you can become, but who you are. And whenever you realize that, you can start living the life that he has for you to live because you know he has your back you know he has the best possible life that you could ever have in store for just you. Well, he's saying, I have a great responsibility. I brought you into this and I want you to know and to experience just how wonderful it is as he's in prison. That's the amazing thing. He can desire the good that he's experiencing in prison and want to make sure that all the rest of us can understand what in the world he's talking about. And so he goes on 
And he says, therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf. They are for your glory. And then he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. For this reason. And we're going to be looking at four different prayer concerns that Paul had for the different churches. And these four prayer concerns, his prayer list, you might say, is a prayer list for all believers. What he desired for them, he desired for you. And Jesus Christ desires it for you through him. And that's why this letter is before you this day, because Jesus wants you to know the fullness of the life that you can have in him. And so we have this prayer list of those things that every believer, that every Christian should, uh, should be praying for, for themselves and for others. And Paul has set the example for us, but the example was set long before that. You know, in uh, the 11th chapter of Luke, it says it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And then he goes on, he says, just as John also taught his disciples. This disciple had seen Jesus in prayer. It's not that he didn't know the basics of prayer, but there was something different about the way Jesus prayed. And he knew that his prayer should be more than just repetition. And he had heard Jesus say they should be more than that. And so he says, Lord, I've seen you pray. Teach us how to pray. Jesus sets the example and he sets it in such a way that other people want to follow. As I read that and I thought about that, I started thinking about those who set examples for me and the way that I have been taught to pray since I was little. Um, I can remember when I was just a little guy, I was born in 1946, and it seems like uh, uh, all of my first prayers always included uh, the prayers for our soldiers fighting in Korea because the Korean War was going on back then. And uh, I knew we were supposed to be praying for them. Every night, my mother, before we, I went to bed and went to sleep, she, we, we would have prayer time. And uh, she taught me the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I still have a hard time because I want to say the liver instead of deliver in the Lord's Prayer. Because when I was so little, while I was learning it, all I was hearing was hearing and deliver us you from evil. And so uh, I, I, I still to this day, if I don't watch it, I'll say the liver instead of deliver. So, uh, but that's how young I was when I was learning how to pray. I was about Isaiah's age. He's our three-year-old grandson who has now taken it upon himself to be the one who says the prayer at the table whenever we have a meal together. 
And he says a pretty good little prayer there. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, he has picked that up. To him, you see this three-year-old, prayer is something that you do. It's something that the family does together. And whenever we get together at the table, we pray. If we're in a restaurant, we pray. If it makes other people uncomfortable, that's okay. But you see, whenever other people see you pray, it prompts them to think, maybe I should pray. I remember a, a little boy in, uh, in, in, J- in Japan that I read about who uh, they, they reported him to the principal because the student said he was making magic over his food before every meal. And so the principal called him into the office and said, what's this I hear about you practicing magic in the lunchroom and making magic over your food? And the little boy said, well, sir, I'm a Christian and I've been taught to always thank the Lord for what was before me. And the principal said, you make me ashamed because I'm a Christian too. And I haven't been willing to show it. And so prayer is one of those things that shows who we are. And praying is one of those things that shows whose you are. And it didn't start with Jesus. Back in the book of Genesis, you will see that there will come a place in the genealogy where after Cain had been cast out, and uh, had gone on, was doing other things, that uh, Adam and Eve had another child, and his name was Seth. And then Seth grew up and had a child, and it said it was at that point that the uh, sons of, that the children of God began to pray. And the thing is, prayer has marked godly people from the book of Genesis, from the very beginning of time, was one of the first people on. So prayer is something that's very important. And it's something that uh, that Jesus modeled. He would often get aside to spend time alone in prayer. And so uh, we need to know, first of all, it's important that we pray before we even start looking at this prayer list that Paul has and so uh, as we as we get into this, as we start looking at the, at this list, there are, we want I want you to see that uh, the first thing that he says, as you see there, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Whenever you kneel in prayer, that is an humbling of yourself before God. It's a position of humility before God and also of worship to God. And it's saying, Lord, you are my Lord, and I come before you reverently, and I bring my petitions before you reverently. The common position for a, uh, a Jewish man back then to pray was looking toward the heaven with palms outstretched, more like this. But there are different ways to pray, different positions. In fact, you can pray in any position. There have been times of debate down through the ages. Like I remember 
there was one of the early church fathers that thought it was just a total insult to God to pray sitting down. I mean, he said, you get flat on your face, kneel, stand, but to sit in the presence of a holy God, you know, that just bugged him. But you can pray while you're sitting. You can pray while you're driving. Just don't close your eyes, you know. Uh, You know, Jesus said, watch and pray. So remember, you know, keep your eyes open while you pray. That reminds me, of a, of a guy talking about prayer. There's this fellow that was out walking in the woods and a huge bear showed up, took out after him and he was running and running and all of a sudden he stumbled over a log and he caught his foot in a, uh, in a, in a, a niche in the log and he couldn't get it out and the bear was still coming at him. And so he didn't think, think he couldn't think of anything else to pray. And so he prayed, oh God, Please make this a Christian bear. Let this be a Christian bear. And the bear comes barreling up to him. The bear stops and kneels and says, for the blessings that we're about to receive. Sometimes you need to pray, be praised, but you know, sometimes you pray for the wrong thing. You know, it is the gospel of James. It says you have not because you ask not. And so we need to remember, we need to pray. We're supposed to ask for things. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. So we're told to be sure and pray. We're told that we have a heavenly father that uh, really wants to answer our prayers. And uh, so many times whenever we pray, You can see there on the top of your sheet. Our prayers are too small. We serve a big God. He's bigger than anything we could ever imagine. And he's our heavenly father. And uh, he's Jesus has made it clear. If you then being evil know how to good give good gifts to your kids. How much more do you think your heavenly father wants to give good things to you? Reminds me, some of you have heard this and some of you have not. We, uh, I'm going to share a brief version of it. The time whenever we were so broke, we had hardly anything left to eat and we gathered together all the resources we had. We thought we might have enough to buy a dozen eggs if they were on sale. And so we all gathered around as a family, all, all the kids and us, and we prayed that the Lord would just stretch our money and make it uh, where we could get enough to eat off of it. And just right then there was a knock on the door and there was a guy with some, wanting to know if we needed some eggs. And we said, well, yeah. And, uh, and then and we wound up getting for, for the rest of the time we were there, this guy supplied us with eggs weekly. And for two weeks, that's about all we had to eat was eggs, you know? Anyway, right after we got through praying and those eggs just showed up and we said, kids, do you see what happened? We just prayed and the Lord, we didn't even have to spend our money. The Lord just sent us the eggs. Our daughter Erin said, we should have asked for steak. (laughs) And you know, she's right. We were thinking too small. We were thinking too small. Our prayer was too small. The Lord answered it in a big way with what we asked for. 
But my goodness, eggs get old after steak, never getting old. Anyway, so, uh, and sometimes our prayers are too general. You're like, oh Lord, bless us. And he'll say, hello, look around you. Look with the country I put you to live in. Look what you got right now. Don't you know you've already been blessed? And you're just saying, bless us. You're being blessed. I'm going to bless you. Not specific. They're too general. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and not only bless us, but be with us. Again, he says, didn't I tell you I was never going to desert you? I was never going to forsake you. I am here. Now, tell, ask me for something that's going to glorify me. And so we come to this prayer, this, with those presuppositions, we come to Paul's prayer where he prays that the Lord would strengthen us with power. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, before whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. And you know, this is a prayer that every parent should be praying for their children. You know, we pray, oh God, keep them from getting on drugs and keep them safe. We should be praying a lot deeper prayer for our kids than that. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have what? Power together with all the Lord's holy people, all the Lord's sanctified people, all those that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb and made holy through His precious blood, we are all to have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Once we grasp how deep his love is for us, everything else comes forth from that. Some people have committed their lives to the Lord but they've never really received his love. And it's so sad that they have not. John Wesley, the founder of our denomination, worked and worked and worked so hard trying to please an implacable God. And then one night, one evening, sitting in a Bible study, said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And I knew that Christ died even for my sins, that all this stuff about being washed and cleansed and being brought to peace with God, that was so, it was real. And it became real to him as the love of God was shed abroad in his heart. And it brought forth power in his life that brought forth an entire denomination there was another uh, preacher that uh, was a well-known preacher that uh, all of a sudden wound up experiencing uh, just the love of God. Charles Finney, well-known preacher, uh, said the Holy one at one moment as he was praying, he says the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me 
body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid, guess what? Love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. That's the power that comes through love. And whenever you've opened up your heart to his love and you receive his love and his Holy Spirit comes in, then all of a sudden there's a power that's never been there before. And that is what Paul is praying for everyone that's come to know Jesus Christ through him. And that's my prayer for each one of you as well. It's God's desire for each one of you to know that his love trumps everything. His love, uh, once it's shed abroad in your heart, gives you power. And I want you to know that uh, if you, you may, well, let's, let's face it, we cannot live without that power in our lives. Uh, different places that you need his power in your lives. You need, and I need power to overcome temptation. Sometimes temptation can be so strong. We need power to overcome it. Power to stand strong. Sometimes we'll be tempted to blend in when we know we should stand strong. And it takes a power within us to help us to stand strong. Power to be bold. Power. We need power in our lives. I was reading a preacher the other day sharing the account of their first house. They were so poor. Once they made the down payment and started making the payments, there were some things wrong with the house. They couldn't afford to get them fixed. One was the garbage disposal. It never worked. The whole time they were there, the garbage disposal never got fixed. They had a plug that never worked. Uh, and then they had a, uh, a light switch that they knew not where it went. And so uh, whenever they got ready to sell the house, the uh, uh, real estate lady was in there and uh, said, was there anything wrong with the house? I need, said, well, yeah, the garbage disposal. She said, let me see. And she started looking around. She felt up there and she pulled a little tool down and she stuck it in the bottom of the uh, uh, garbage disposal and turned it around about three times, put the tool back up there, turned it on, started right up. All it needed was to say it was stuck. All it needed was that. And the tool was there, but they didn't know it was there. They didn't use it. Also, said, okay, we've got this light switch that doesn't work in our den. And there's only one light switch in the den. She said, she saw the TV. They said, how do you watch TV? They said, well, when nobody's around, we bring this orange cord out and we run it around out of the other room. We plug the TV in and we just make sure we don't step on the cord. She said, really? And how about this light switch over here? And uh, so we don't know what that goes to. And so she plugged the TV into the light, into the socket, flipped the switch, TV came on. Again, the power was there, but they did not know it. Now, I don't have time to go through the rest of the stuff here, but the main thing is, is that God's power is it's something that we need. 
It's something we need to pray for. It is there. And yet so many people never avail themselves of it. And when they do, it is there. Corey Ten Boom ran across uh, in a meeting the uh, guard who abused her and her sister horribly. And she saw this guard in a Christian meeting and she and the guard was coming up to shake her hand. And she said, oh, God, I cannot love this man. I cannot forgive him. You're going to have to love him and forgive him through me. And God gave her the power to forgive and to love her oppressor. We, uh, he, he, he wants to give you the power and he wants to glorify himself by blessing you and by blessing others through you. I'll share you something with you now that's uh, been a delight to me the last few weeks. It's an ongoing delight. Whenever it was coming to Christmas time, Sharon and I agreed we're only going to spend so much money on each other. And then she wouldn't tell me what she wanted for Christmas. <laughs> and so I prayed and prayed. So I, I, I prayed, Lord, I'm so frustrated. I have no idea. What can I get her? And so he prompted me to, all of a sudden he just gave me the idea to look for an old religious painting. And lo and behold, there on eBay, I found a little drawing that was made in the 14th or 15th century that was uh, uh, made by someone or drawn by someone from the Drewer School. Drewer is the guy that did the plate praying hands. And so, and it was on, it was being sold out of a, in, in, out of a, a family uh, collection in Munich, Germany, which is where the Drewer School was. And so I put in a bid and I was able to get it for what the, uh, for what the price were for the price that uh, it was it's in the price range that we'd agreed on. But in the process of doing, that was just such a blessing. And so I showed Sharon, there were some other things there, pieces of art that were, the bidding was just starting. And I showed there was one I'd put a bid on. I, I had to tell her what I'd done because I don't know why I had to tell her. It was just, I was just so excited that I, I won this, I was just, because I won this, uh, this auction. And, uh, and so I showed her this other piece, another drawing. And I think it was the Modigliani, wasn't it? That I, uh, anyway. Uh, so anyway, I'd put it, and she said, "Oh man, you that that would be so cool." And then, and then I showed her some others, and so pff, I put in bids, you know, like on, on, on. I thought I'll never get a Modigliani. I'll never get a Degas. I'll never get a Renoir with a. Which ones had the? Uh, was it which ones had the uh, certificates of authenticity? Renoir, uh, two Renoirs and a Monet. <laughs> we now have a Monet hanging on our wall, has a certificate of authenticity as being you know, nationally filed as being created by the uh, the artist. I mean, it's certified. Two, these other two. Renoir. Two Renoirs. They're valued at $15,000 each. 
and I got them for nothing. <laughs> and then, you know, I just put these bids in thinking, you know, you know, just, and they, they kept on coming in. I mean, I kept winning these things. And so, okay, Sharon, tell us what you have now besides the drawing. Uh, I have a drawing. I have two Renoir, two Van Goghs, a Monet, and a Degas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. But you know, but you'll see at the bottom, I think it's on the bottom of your hand out there. Let's see. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more, in some translations that reads, it's exceedingly abundantly more than all we ask or imagine according to his what? According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The Lord delights for some reason in delighting Sharon. And uh, for some reason, and I'm, I'm so grateful that he allows me to be sometimes the conduit of that blessing. But uh, anyway, see, so whether we need power to bless others, you may have a spouse that you're really having a hard time loving. He will give you the power to love an unlovable and unlovely spouse. He will give you the power to do all sorts of things if you will realize that his arms are long enough to reach right to where you are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.